This is episode six of the Daily MTG Podcast. I'm your host, Trick Jared, here with my two co-hosts, as always, Tifa Mayan and Mike Robles. How are you guys doing? Good. I'm doing good. So we got a small cast today in the sense that we've only got three of us. That's because, Tifa, you're our special guest. Yay! It's the original three. The, the, the true three. The, the, the core three. The triumvirate. Like the Triforce. <laughs> and, Tifa, you're our special guest because this episode we're going to talk about playgroups. But before we dive into that, you know, I mean, let's not, let's not be all business. Let's, let's talk about, you know, what have you guys been up to? Mike, what have you been up to? Uh, I took vacation, which was nice, because, you know, we all need to take a vacation sometimes. Yourself included, Trick. You no. Need to, you need to take vacation. Vacation is mythical beast for me. It is. Uh, but it's been good. I had a, I had a good vacation. Just before vacation, uh, as I mentioned in the last podcast, we had uh, some guests come in. We had I Fight Dragons come in, um, and the same day, Alex Day happened to be just in the area, so he wanted to stop by. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I Fight Dragons is a chiptunes band um, that are huge fans of us. We met them during the Warp Tour uh, this past summer, and they were in the office, and we did a draft with them. We gave them some stuff. Alex Day filmed a video with Rosewater, uh, with Mark Rosewater. Uh, and then I Fight Dragons invited us to their show that night, which was super fun. They had a show here in Seattle. Uh, and it was cool because during the show, they were like, hey, we're a bunch of nerds, and we play Magic the Gathering, and we went and saw the Wizards of the Coast headquarters. Crowd went nuts for it. They're like, some of our friends are here tonight, and they sort of like acknowledged us when we were there at the show. It was very, very fun. Nice. Yeah, it was super cool. Yeah, that was really cool. They put on a very good show. They are very, very, yeah. They're doing a very good show. During the vacation, uh, our friends at Loading Ready Run were doing their desert bus uh, for charity. Oh, that's right. Where they, they drive the game Desert Bus. Uh, and if you don't know what it is, Google it. But long story short, it is a real-time drive from Reno to Vegas, and the bus has a slight list, so you actually have to hold the controller and drive the, manually drive the bus the whole time. So they do fundraising and, and uh, for... Uh, they do fundraising uh, the, for every... It starts out very, very cheap, uh, and then you can... The more money they get, the longer they are forced to drive. Uh, and then they do challenges and giveaways and auctions. And so last year I had to be there when they did an auction. Uh, I called in. And then this year I didn't have an auction, but I was invited to call in. And so I called in. Uh, Tifa joined me, and we auctioned off the awesome, what we called the Awesome Community Pack, uh, which was an original sketch from Innistrad. The Scars of Mirrodin Lunchbox, um, a playset of Supreme Verdict, a playset of Cathedral of War, the Buy Box promos, right. um, some Magically Added and Branded speaker, uh, Sneakers, uh, and a nine-page binder signed by R&D. Oh, wow. Um, which was very, very cool, and that uh, that raised a good chunk of money for them. Uh, and it was very fun. It was cool. We got some questions asked from the chat. Uh, we interacted with the chat, interacted with the people that were driving the bus. It was, it was super fun, and I, I felt proud to be part of the MTG community. And all the money raised by Desert Bus goes to Child's Play, uh, of course, from the friends at Penny Arcade. Yes. Yeah, and we'll be going to the Child's Play dinner this week also. Tifa, what have you been up to? I was also on vacation, um, but this last weekend I was able to go spell sling at the biggest PTQ in Seattle history. It's, it, is, was, is, it was sizable. I, I was told it's potentially the biggest, so... Right. Um, I don't think we have all the numbers back to say that officially, right. uh, but it was definitely one of the biggest PTQs in Seattle, and I had a really good time. Uh, played, I'd say half, like half my games that I played were with my standard deck, which I feel is at its final level at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, don't intend on making any changes. Final form. It's, final form. It's the boss's the, final form. The boss final form of my standard deck, because I did pretty good. Don't intend on making changes until Gate Crash comes out, and then I'll reevaluate everything. 
Uh, and the other half of the games were from a sealed pool, and I was actually playing Azorius. It was a pretty good Azorius pool. Awesome. Now, you get to spellsling a fair bit. I, I don't go spellsling almost at all. How do you do it? Like, you just sort of show up, you sit down, and you play against people? So I had contacted Card Kingdom, mm-hmm. who was running the event, um, and asked them if they were interested in having people spell sling. Uh, and they said, absolutely. They even put it on their flyers and everything. They were very excited to have us there. So that's the first step. And then from there, I just um, I asked them what time, showed up around the time that they suggested, and stayed there for a few hours playing whoever wanted to play. Um, a lot of times, like, a line will form, and I sort of just keep watch on, like, who walked up first, right. um, invite them to play. Uh, we sit, we can only play one game, so it's not a full match. Sometimes it's a little frustrating when it's like, man, if I sideboarded, I know I would have done okay, right. but you can't do that. Uh, but it's still very fun to play against people and get to interact with the community in that way. I used to play in PTQs, mm-hmm. and now that I can't anymore, it's a great way to still have that interaction with the community, you know, build relationships and friendships and meet people, and they get to talk to me about my job, and, you know, it's very fun. Cool, cool. Now, you can't spustling because you're usually running wild, doing coverage and making sure the website's updated and just bossing Nate Holt around. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, I probably could do some spell slinging, but I don't get, I don't get pulled to it too often. Have, have you done it before? Other, uh, other than like just the casual games where people walk up. Okay, occasionally, not not very often. Though. I would say try it. I've done it a few times, and I and I really enjoy it. I'm down for it. I'd, I'd be down. You know, we. Oh my god! I just got the best idea. We should all spell sling together at an event because then it'd be like, come come spell sling against the Daily MTG podcast. That's a great idea. That is an amazing idea. I would absolutely. You heard it here. Internet demand it. Someone make it happen. Pick an event. Pick an event. Pick an event, <laughs> Pick an event where Trick's not running around like mad, and we'll, and we'll go. The other thing is I, I do have to travel for work. So occasionally, yeah. like, I, I just came back from L.A. where I was uh, shooting some videos that we'll have on Daily MTG and on our YouTube channel, uh, working with Day 9. That's very Sean, exciting. Sean Plot plays Magic, and uh, he and I work together and produced a handful of videos that we'll have coming up probably... I would say January, February-ish. We don't have a definite date for him yet. But. It's exciting. Yeah, I would say no spoilers, but you did already talk about it. You guys have both tweeted about the videos that you're making and, yes. and doing stuff. So that's, Well, it was one of those things where like people knew I was going to L.A., and so people were wondering what I was doing down there. And There's no real reason to keep it secret. It's right. Not, it's not like it's spoiler content or yeah. new cards. It's learn-to-play stuff. It's videos that you can show your friends who, you know, sort of, here's how you make the steps towards learning to play. And, I mean, learning to play is one of those things that really intimidates people. Because Magic can be such an intimidating game to sit down and look at and watch all these different yeah. cards move, all these interactions. And so working with Sean was an awesome way to do it. And we we know duels is a great way for people to learn to play Magic. But the other way is just learning from friends and, and having these play groups that, you know, these communities form that can teach Magic. And, and that's why we wanted to have you, Tifa, be the special guest this episode, was talking about what you've done with Lady Planeswalker Society. I mean, playgroups, yours, for example, is a, mm-hmm. is a carefully, not carefully, but a, an organized and orchestrated group based around you know, this Lady Planeswalker Society group. But there's people who are just friends in their playgroups, and they don't think of it in that way, but they really are this, their own sort of metagame, their own community, where they're, they're building decks to beat each other. And yeah. They might be inspired by the metagame at large, but... I mean, really, it's about, you know, if, if I don't have the top-tier deck, it's about how do I beat my buddy Joe. So we want to talk this episode about, you know, building a playgroup, what you can do to 
organize a play group, whether it's a school club, whether it's around a game store, whether it's just you and your friends, how do you get more organized about it? Yeah. Well, and this started as just a group of friends. See? Uh, when I started working for Wizards, I had a few friends who were uh, women friends who were interested in learning the game. Um, a couple of them had boyfriends who played, but they didn't really want to learn from their boy- boyfriend. Um, and a couple of the girls who like didn't feel comfortable going into the tournament environment and learning there, uh, which when you go into a store, a lot of times you know, it's during a tournament right. like, when you see magic being played. Uh, so they were just a little intimidated and asked me if I could teach them. They're like, hey, we've seen this sort of take off in your life uh, and see that it's done good things for you. We're interested in learning it and sharing that experience with you as well. Uh, so I invited some friends over. We did this for you know a few nights over a couple months um, where they came over and I would sit down and teach them and we'd just hang out for hours playing and having a good time. Um, at a certain point... Uh, Amanda Casperson and I started talking about how great of an idea it was to, you know, teach women, um, and we wondered if there was a way we could do this at a larger level, like make it, you know, some event that people can come to, uh, and like an organization that people can be a part of uh, that was aimed at women, so that women felt comfortable coming there and learning and playing and not just beginners, but all skill levels could come together right. um, as one. And that's essentially what I did. So I started by actually talking to the brand team, which I wasn't on the brand team at the time. I was working customer service. But as a Wizards employee, I had to get permission to do something like this. So I emailed the brand team, uh, spoke with Elaine Chase. She was thrilled for the idea, but had a few restrictions for me that I was happy to go along with. One of those restrictions was that it had to be in-store, which I was planning on doing anyway, so that worked out really nicely. Um, And I went and spoke to Card Kingdom, and they were very excited and welcoming to the idea. Uh, Dan Tharp actually helped me along the way um, and got us set up for our first event. He did a lot of advertising, um, has been supportive the entire time, uh, and that was really a big key to the success of Lady Planeswalker Society was having the store backing me. Uh, and so I advertised this first event both on campus uh, with, like, flyers and all over the Internet, wherever I could. Right. Uh, and the first event only had eight women, which, you know, for a first night, I was like, all right, it's enough to launch an event. It's, it's a draft. It's enough to draft. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's a respectable number that I yeah. think a lot of people out there would be perfectly happy with, and you've grown it so far beyond that. Oh, yeah. And it was, you know, everyone who showed up was like, hey, let me know what I can do to help. And, like, those women are the women that are still in it today. They're every week helping me. They've helped me teach at conventions. Um, And, you know, it really, it's grown from this small group that was in my house that just wanted to learn to play Magic into this, you know, larger environment uh, where basically it's a welcoming, friendly environment for women to come learn, play, and compete at Magic. We do right. all different formats, anything from intro pack wars to drafting. Um, we have standard events. Like, every everything you can think of, we've done. Right. There's, there's even crazy events. Like, there was one time there was an event that was the monocolored plane chase. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, you've done monocolored plane chase. You've done popper, popper plane chase. Right. Popper. I mean, there's so much... 
that's a perfect example. There's so much activities, so many activities and so many things that can be done within the confines and within an organization of a group. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, let's get, let's save that stuff. We'll, we will dive into activities a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, you know, your group, for example, is focused on helping women come into the magic community, which yeah. can be quite intimidating for anyone, especially, you know, females who have to face these sometimes socially awkward guys. So this is a fantastic group aimed at helping people come into it. But it doesn't have to be, you know, restrictive in this way. We're looking Not at, at all. we're talking about groups that are, you know, anyone who wants to play. Like I said, school clubs are a great example. Uh, play groups within stores. I mean, even though there might be, you know, your Friday night magic, but there could also be groups that say, "Well, I can only come on Tuesday nights," and then you guys start forming a group around that. I have clear memories of when I was in college. The store that I worked at had a play group that came Saturday mornings, and they were a lot of like dads or um, people who couldn't get away during weeknights but could get away while their kids were at soccer practice or were doing other stuff and it was just this casual play group that literally I mean they would play eight player games they would be there for four hours playing this one game but this was their defined moment of how they loved playing the game and there are stores and groups that will try to uh, accommodate that Uh, there's a store that I know that follows me on Twitter that I've made some friends with in New York called Dragon's Den Mm -hmm. and they actually run Monday Night Magic there are groups that I've helped I shouldn't say groups. There are, well, I guess they are. They're a play group of, of places I used to work at mm-hmm. that have started playing Magic. And when I've had extra product of my own stuff, I've given it to them to help them run their drafts, run their events. Uh, and it's gotten to the point where a lot of actually local Seattle game companies have sort of latched onto this and have sort of created their own uh, their own league almost. Uh, Mike Gills actually runs and sends product out to to local game companies for yeah. them to just play Magic at their own whim because they in the game industry, especially around here, you can't always make it to Friday Night Magic. You right. can't always make it to these events because you're going to be busy a lot. Right. Um, That's one reason we pick Tuesdays. I, I want I want the ladies who play in my group to be able to play at our events on Tuesdays and then also participate in our FNMs or other groups that they might be a part of, and Tuesday nights worked out really well for that. One of the things I think that players don't really take into consideration is the leadership of groups. A lot of them want it to be a purely democratic thing where, you know, we all make the decisions together, let's let's do what the majority wants. And while that will work majority of the time, there are times where I think you need to have someone who's sort of the de facto leader. Yeah. Because often what will happen is no one wants to be the one who makes the decision. Everyone will be like, oh, that's fine with me, whatever. And it's challenging, though. It yeah. really is. And so I'm sure, I was going to say, I'm sure you've experienced that with Ladies Planeswalker Society, where you're like, hey, guys, what should we do? And everyone's like, I don't know. Yeah, or I get <laughs> five different answers, and all of them are in completely different directions, and right. other people are disagreeing. And yeah, and I mean, I so I build our schedule about a month out, mm-hmm. um, and I have two, uh, well, I have three set every month. So I have a draft at the end. Uh, standard right before the draft and some multiplayer in the beginning of the month. Mm -hmm. And then there's that other, like the other week, which is like a lot of times I'm like, Hey, what do people want to do? And I'll try to fill that slot with those. Um, Or they'll, they'll give multiplayer suggestions and I do it then. But that's, that's probably one of the biggest, like where decision-making really comes in is like what we are doing. Um, And because we meet every single week and I don't want people to get bored and I want, to draw in people from different formats, it it does become challenging. Absolutely. So I think that that's one thing that people who want to start their own play group can do, is they can sort of say, look, I want to run this as egalitarian and as democratic as possible, 
But I'm also going to take on myself the understanding that when the, no decision has been reached or when a decision must be reached, I'm going to make the decision. Mm-hmm. And good or bad, people are going to disagree with me. I think that that is one of the keys to seeing a successful playgroup is having that leadership help pull it into success, help pull it into gear. Yeah. And so I think that you're a perfect example of that with the Lady Planeswalker Society. Yeah. Lately, I've been speaking a lot with Trevor Murdoch, who has started Planeswalkers for Diversity, which I think is another great group example of you know starting a play group um, either for you know a specific like purpose um, of drawing in a, a subset of people or you know like you're saying just a play group in general but he is now starting this and I've been trying to help him as much as I can because they see mine as a success mm-hmm. and you know want to take whatever they can from me but that's one to check out for people the lady planeswalker society while aiming towards a women a female audience is is not only female players. True. Yeah, very true. Um, that was actually one of the restrictions Elaine gave me when I started, mm-hmm. um, was that I couldn't be exclusive, that if men wanted to come play, they would have to be able to. Uh, so I sort of warmed up to the idea and thought of ways in which I could uh, benefit from that instead of it being an obstacle. Right. And, and you have men that, that have helped you a lot. You've got, you've got a lot of a lot of the boyfriends help support you, help teach. Yeah. I mean, at Geek Girl Con, you had more women than men, but you had men running, uh, helping teach as well. Yeah, and it actually ended up really wonderfully for me uh, because when we started, there were guys that are boyfriends of these women who wanted to play, and they were just as excited for this opportunity. I um, mean, I've had guys who play Magic that are like, oh, well, my wife or girlfriend's been wanting to learn. Can I introduce her to your group? And it's like, absolutely. And I want them to be able to come and experience that as well. And every guy that comes to my events, I sort of pull him aside, have a conversation with him, being like, oh, you know, this is what we do. Please contribute to this. So not only do I want them to understand what we're doing, but I also want them to take part in that. Right. We probably have 30%, some some nights 40% male um, presence, and that's that's good. Another reason that that's good is we're part of the magic community. We're not this exclusive group that doesn't want anything to do with the magic community. But the magic community can be, you know, we're, we're a subset within the magic community um, that fits in. Right. One of the things that you you bring up there that I think is very important for people who want to start their own groups is is that even though we've talked about wanting to have a leader for the group, have someone who will make decisions when a decision is needed. It's also about empowering members to be have ownership of the group. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want we don't want it to the scale to go too far the other direction where it's a dictatorial leadership. Even though it may be a fun group everyone enjoys, if they're just there as participants, they don't have as much invested. If, if they mm-hmm. feel like they're they're owners and they help lead the group and they help decide the path it's going to take, like you it sounds like you do with these with players, both male and female. Yeah, it's something that helps them buy in, helps them feel engaged, and helps them feel. You know, critical to the success of the group. Yeah. So. Well, and we've also we've had two-headed giant nights, um, which like Valentine's Day we had a two-headed giant <laughs> night, and it was it wasn't exclusively couples. Um, there was a couple girls that were just like friends that you know joined in on the fun. But that was that was a really neat. Yeah, um, that sounds fun. And it's you know different than any other event that you're going to see where it was like, hey, have nothing going on on Valentine's Day and you love magic, like just right. Like a date night Valentine's Day magic, which was really cool. The, the internet as a whole, the magic community online, is a great resource. There's lots of resources out there about people's playgroups. Like there's, there's Lady Planeswalker Society. From Tampa, there's the well-known Armada League, which is a commander league. 
which sort of has sort of set the bar for what commander leagues can do and how they can do it because huh. it's so successful for them. And they have Michael Fortina, who's one of their, the Armada store owners, who's sort of their commissioner and oversees the group. But, I mean, they have Sheldon Minery. They have a number of well-known commander players in this group. And they define this league that has these uh, game rules that reward you for the different things that take place. You know, mm-hmm. if, if, if you kill a player before turn five, they penalize you for it because they want to make sure everyone gets the chance to play in the game. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you go off on an infinite combo without winning the game, then, like, you just lose a million points or something like that. Like, <laughs> that may or may not be exactly from their <laughs> rules, but it's that sort of mindset that they've used to sculpt this play group that they all want to be part of. Yeah, we've done point systems like that for our Commander Knights, yeah. actually. I think taking those resources online, so definitely hopping on the internet, looking for other play groups out there, Finding what else other people have done is a major thing to help you build your group. But also sharing what you've done is a major thing because both yeah. it earns you recognition, but it also helps the community as a whole. A rising tide lifts all boats, sort of. Yeah, I've actually... Um, so Seattle was the first Lady Planeswalker Society, and since then I've been contacted by um, nine different cities that wanted to start their own Lady Planeswalker Society. Wow. Yeah, that six wanted of to them, or have? Uh, six of them have started. And there's... Well, seven of them have started. One of them dropped off the radar, unfortunately. There's six that are still going. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's two that want to start up that I'm still working with to get started. Uh, there's also a Magic Girl Squad in Argentina that contacted me being like, Hey, can we be sort of an honorary group? Because um, they hadn't heard of us, but then when they did, they're like, hey, we're doing the same thing. Right. Um, so that's great. And um, I also want to point out, one of the ones that has started is in Australia, which is great, because that means we're going global. Right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't been so vocal about this group's existence. That's right. Exactly. That's a great example. And and I think that that, even though they're, they're their own groups underneath the Lady Planeswalker Society banner sort of thing, I mean, it's not like you're running these groups. No. They're independent. They're just using what you've done in, as a leaping off point. Yeah, and I I try to help them in any way I can, but really, you know, they're running it all on their own. Right. They're in completely different states. You know, far far away from here, there's honestly not much I can do except just give them advice, let them know what I've done, let them know what's worked and what hasn't. But yeah, there there are leaders out there taking on these groups. Yeah. Now, Lady Planeswalker Society as a counterpoint to what I was saying with Armada, you guys don't really run a league. You just run week-to-week events. You guys don't keep a leaderboard of who's leading or anything like that, nope. right? Uh, but the, the, the league aspect is an interesting one. That's one that we actually use here inside of Wizards. We uh, do. Uh, every set, we, we start a new league. And there's a couple of others, I think, ongoing. Like, there's a weekly draft league and stuff like that. But uh, we do an internal league that's based around, usually, our pre-release sealed deck. And we just sort of carry this deck, and we'll carry it forward. Whether it's you know drafting new packs every week or modifying it as the the set goes on, and that's a model that can be easily applied to play groups. Whether it's a club, like <laughs> I have memories as a kid in middle school and high school. I was I played in chess club, and we have ladder rankings. That, that's of course very important for that sort of club, and that carries over to Magic too, where you can have a ladder ranking, you can have weekly tournaments to sort of you know. Define your playgroup. See who's the who's the top boss in your in your playgroup. <laughs> yeah, uh, some friends of mine that work at Warner Brothers have actually taken uh, the league. They've talked to Tulak. They've talked to Chris Tulak, who runs our, our internal league here, and they've taken that idea of a league. And they they started with uh, with intro packs, 
and then uh, every week they got a new uh, a new deck, or I'm sorry, a new booster pack to add to their intro pack uh, that they can use and edit with. And that's sort of what they, they've been sort of running an intro pack league. Interesting. I guess let, let's use that to bridge into activities. I mean, part of what we said was, you know, like as you struggled with Tifa, was what do you do with a group? Like, right. Well, and we have an additional challenge um, because I want to keep the group casual and non-competitive is a little a little strong, but you know, casual feel because we do want beginners and new players who've never experienced the game before to be able to come to our group and feel welcome and you know want to keep playing. Um, but I also want it to be all skill levels, so I want competitive people to come play as well. Like, I want the Seattle PTQ uh, women who play, I want them to feel like they can come and play. Right. And one of the things that I do, um, because we have it casually sanctioned, uh, I'm allowed to pair people, like, however I want. So, like, if somebody comes with their daughter that they're teaching magic, I can pair them with her first round and Mm -hmm. then me the second round. Um, Or if I have... Like, last week we had seven brand-new girls come. So I paired them together and with people who were willing to teach throughout the night. And then I paired the people who were super competitive together throughout the night. And that was something I didn't do at first, and that actually caused a little bit of friction between... Some of the girls, because it was like, oh, well, she had this deck and wanted me to play faster. And it was like, all right, well, clearly I need to do something to sort of bridge that gap. Um, And ever since I made the change of, like, looking at the pairings and making sure that all of them um, are going to work well together, Mm -hmm. um, that has has worked wonderfully. And I haven't had any issues. Right. You you mentioned in passing, you know, the the casual sanctioning. I think that's one point we should should highlight for playgroups is that... For, to get Planeswalker points, you need to be tied to a, a WPN store or a, an outlet that lets you sanction events. It's perfectly fine and completely reasonable and probably wonderful for a lot of playgroups to just be casual, not have to worry yes. about sanctioning. It's one point for everybody, um, which is why I can do the pairings, however, where if you have a group that is more competitive and you want to do like the skill boards and you're, you're thriving on that competition then I might recommend doing sanctioned. Right, regular sanctioned uh, drafts or uh, sealed tournaments or whatever your events mm-hmm. wants to be. I mean, actually, when I set up the schedule, the, the point was sort of um, multiplayer is the first week, week of the, the month, and that way people can come like with somebody they know who plays Magic and play together, um, like if they're, they're brand new. So the beginning of the month, they come in, they play in a multiplayer format, so they can have people right there with them, helping them the whole way. The next week they come, it's going to be like one-on-one, some form of magic. I usually try to make it something beginner-friendly because I want it, like, if someone's only been playing a week or a couple weeks, they'll be able to sort of jump into that. Uh, The week after that is standard um, in hopes that they will have gotten an intro pack at that point and can maybe have edited the intro pack a little bit to try it out in a standard event. And then the last week in the month is draft, which is sort of, you know, past the cons- the construct stage of right. magic playing, um, and obviously, I don't expect people to learn magic in a month that easily. Um, but it's sort of set up that way, where like if you want an easy path right. into our group, yeah, that's that's a great on ramping process. And I mean, between Lady Planeswalker Society's play group and I mean duels, or if they if they are part of a couple and they're playing with their their significant other, mm-hmm. then you know, it's a very very smooth transition for them, even though it may be slightly faster than most players necessarily follow. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's a great intention for playgroups to have is, is that if your group is focused on, you know, 
adding players and, and teaching people rather than just being a play group, that having planned out activities really helps with that, both in terms of, as you've shown, the onboarding to learning the game. And actually, speaking of formats, we created our own format. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> I'm on board now. <laughs> Go ahead. Tell us about your format. <laughs> your oh really sounded. I thought it was stage because like oh really like and, so the, and and then you're like oh wait no we are supposed to talk about this. So you're on vacation. I'm right? uh, <laughs> almost. You're almost on vacation. Yeah, we have created what I like to call a spontaneous cube creation, uh, where uh, basically this came up because people were like oh my gosh I have all these cards that I don't know what to do with right and at the same time. I was trying to find new ways to draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a cube drafter. Still, I'm a cube drafter. Uh, I wanted to find a way to sort of bring that into the group without limiting the number of players that could come play. Uh, so I tried to combine the two. I was like, wait a minute. If people have all these cards they don't know what to do with and people want to draft more, what we can do is have people bring cards. Okay. And it's a... It's obviously a little more complicated than that. We, you know, that was the first idea. It was like, oh, people can just bring 45 cards and we can draft. But in order to really make that work, you have to put a little bit of restrictions on it. So what I did is I made a big uh, doc, like I made a document on the group, being like, hey, I have this idea. What do people think? Here's what you would need to bring, and basically bring these cards, knowing that you're going to part with them. Like you might never see these cards again. Right. But you also want them to be playable and fun cards. Like cards that you think maybe other people would really like to play that just aren't your style, that you you don't want in your decks. Or things you have eight of that you don't need eight of. Right. Um, so bring these playable, fun cards, uh, and we want an even color distribution. So I would ask people seven of each color, five artifacts, and five anything that you want. If you wanted hybrid cards or lands multicolor cards, or if you had like five other blue cards that you really wanted to include, um, that would give you that like little bit of extra five cards, and it wasn't so much that it would throw off the whole process. Right. Uh, as long as you stuck to the seven of each color and five artifacts, we had a good mix um, of cards to use from. Uh, so everybody came with these 45 cards, um, and you know sometimes... They weren't the best cards. Other people, um, like Mike and I, would bring all rares just to make sure there were some really good cards. How big is the cube? The cube right now mm. is 970 cards. Okay. With 21 people? 21? It, 22. 21 Enough 22. for 22 people to draft. Okay. Yeah. And, I mean, it started, it just bring your cards, and we did that three or four times where events of bring your own cards. And then at that point, um, we had thousands of cards to sort through and what I did to make our Lady Planeswalker Society cube which you know it went from being the spontaneous cube to an actual cube I went through well Mike and I went through cut out all the duplicates um, and also cut cards that were either I I didn't view as being fun um, I didn't view as being powerful or I viewed as being a little too confusing for my particular group right um, so I cut out any of those cards uh, and now we have this great cube that's, yeah, that cube's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah, it's really fun. And it's very different than any powered cube or even popper cube. Like, it's it's a different type of cube, mm-hmm. but it's still something that we can play um, that doesn't require 
booster packs. So you guys will just add this into the rotation month from month to month or occasionally. You guys don't use it every month. No, um, I'd say you every three months month or and so. A, yeah, about a month and a half ago was the last time. Yeah. Because I drafted an amazing deck. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's probably about every three months I'll throw it in to the week. Okay. So, I mean, that's a, that's a perfect example of just this, this group coming together and making their own group. I mean, there's plenty of other casual formats from Commander to Type 4, which is a, this crazy format where you play off the top of a giant stack of cards. I mean, <laughs> uh, I'm, I, I'm Popper. I love playing Popper online, and I would love to get a Popper playgroup together. Here inside of Wizards, we still, have, we still set up playgroups. I mean, it's one of, these yeah, core, one of these core things to experiencing the game. And stores have really become the anchor point for a lot of people's playgroups. But that doesn't have to be the way. I mean, you could have a lunchtime playgroup at, at your office. Yeah. Uh, you could have playgroups in, in school, you know. I mean, you could have playgroups at your house where it's you and your siblings and, and your parents, you know. Uh, it, it's really about setting up these groups and, and working to make them an active place for you to enjoy this game. Yeah. And if you're having trouble, I mean, finding people, like say maybe some of your friends, like you're into magic, but your friends aren't. I mean, Facebook, our Facebook group, there's constantly people on Facebook saying, hey, I'm in this area, do people with magic. Reddit is another place where I've seen people like, hey, does anybody play magic in the area? Um, I mean, even if you go into a store, neighboring store, and maybe you're, maybe you're not, you don't feel like you're ready for FNM, you can still ask around and be like, hey, does anybody want to try this other play group and meet on a night that's not FNM so we can, right. you know, just have fun and be casual if we wanted to be? Yeah. You know, one of the things around the building here is is that you know, as the holidays near, and just just like with school or with you know any any job, <laughs> when when vacations loom, you know, focus starts to waver. We start we start getting silly. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, people just feel like, oh man, I'm ready for this break. You know, we, you get a uh, senioritis is what what we yeah, call oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, let's let's talk about vacation plans. I mean, I'm not going anywhere. I've, I'm staying yeah. up here with the wife. You're you're also currently working on <laughs> vacation. Well, get out of the office. Uh, <laughs> We'll, we'll see. Uh, you posted on Daily MTG that you're going to be working during. Well, I guess that's not vacation, but you're working when most of the company's going to be out. Uh, people are still in the building. This place becomes like a ghost town. <laughs> yeah, like this place is seriously. Internet, this place becomes a ghost town towards the end of the year. It's just. Yeah, I was everyone, in customer service last year. Where we're here all year, and those last two weeks of December were cold and sad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, are you guys going anywhere for the holidays? We are going to California. We are going to California, yeah. My family is from California, so I always go home every year for Christmas, spend the holidays with my, with my parents and my brother and my sister. My sister just had a new baby, so I'm going to get to see my nephew for the first time, um, which is going to be awesome. And yeah, I'm just going to do the typical L.A. things. I'm actually uh, planning on, on drafting when I head down to L.A. Oh, nice. Uh, I'm going to contact a couple of my friends and see if they want to draft do some shopping when I'm down there, buy some boxes of stuff. Very totally cool. just going to vacation it up when, when I'm down there. So I'm excited. Uh, like you said, you made a mention about me working while everyone else is not. For clarification, for those of you who check Daily MTG while you're on your winter vacation, uh, we will only be doing one week of reruns. Uh, we will have a week preceding reruns that's Magic Online Week, which is uh, the week after this episode comes out. The website will be all Magic Online content. We'll have a new set of authors. I mean, some of you'll have seen before, but you won't have Rosewater. You won't have uh, Flores. You won't have any of our, our standard weekly writers. And then the week after will be reruns on the website where we'll, we'll show one of the best articles from each of the columns. You may, you may decide, you know, I'm not going to check the website during that week. I would highly, highly recommend you go check the website. I hear, I hear rumblings throughout the office of certain things that may or may not be appearing on the website during... We may or may not have gifts for you to unwrap during it's the holiday true. season. I, I'm just going to throw it out there. We're just going to lay that out. 
This episode is the last episode of this year. Oh, I miss you guys already. We, we will be taking a couple of weeks off, and we'll be back start of next year to talk about Gate Crash. Oh man, look at that! And we come back, we have to go right into Gate Crash. I'm I am excited. so excited for Simic. Super excited. Simic. <laughs> yes, Boros Simic. Uh, we, we get our favorite guilds now. It's true. My favorite guild is already out, though, so I'm going to have to pick my second favorite guild. Which is? Uh, which is Gruul, actually, because my, my commander deck is just a Gruul-heavy deck. Oh, okay. And I'm excited because I've yeah. seen stuff, and I'm very happy for it. So, with that in mind, we wish you all a happy and safe holidays. We look forward to hearing from you all, hearing about your playgroups, uh, answering questions. You know, you can reach us all on Twitter. I am TrickMTG on Twitter. At Tifa Mayan. At Michael Robles. And with that, we will see you all next year. So yeah, see you in 2013.